Thank you, Miss Jen. Thank you, girls. Appreciate that. Amen. Thank the Lord for his compassion. Amen. Also, thank the Lord for his uh, protecting hand, watching over Miss Jen and the girls in a close call this past week. Uh, they had a close call, and the Lord watched over them and protected them, and we thank the Lord for it. Amen. Thank the Lord. He always watches over us. You know, I believe a lot of us have a lot more close calls than we realize, and the protecting hand of God is watching over us, and we thank the Lord for His goodness. We're going to be in Daniel chapter number 1 this morning, Daniel chapter number 1. And as I said a little bit ago, we're going to be looking at the thought of this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. I have this picture here, and uh, it's actually a song that we played during Vacation Bible School. It's a little video that went with the song, and it was of a light bulb, and the light bulb was going through the dark town. And so I found a spot in the song that I liked and took that picture right there, that light bulb. Everything is dark, but that light is shining. I thought, boy, that represents so well uh, what we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, several of you have asked about my dad, and so just real quickly before we get into the message, I do ask that you be in prayer for my family. Uh, Dad is on a ventilator. Uh, he's been sedated for, uh, I guess, today will make seven days that Dad's been completely sedated, uh, unconscious, uh, completely relying on the ventilator. Uh, and, and his condition is not getting better. It's steadily getting worse. Uh, the doctor uh, told Mom yesterday that Dad had a 1% chance of survival. And if he survived, he would immediately need a lung transplant. Um, so... Uh, truth be told, I know God can do anything, but it doesn't seem like restoring dad is what God has in mind. And so everything being equal, my dad's only got a few days left on this earth. And so I do appreciate your prayer. I do appreciate the support of each and every one of you that have reached out to me and asked me uh, regularly, and I thank you for it. And, and uh, many of you have lost your parents, and so you understand the emotion that I feel. Boy, I tell you what, it's uh, definitely dominating my mind a lot. My dad is a faithful man of God. He served God faithfully all his life, took ministries that nobody else wanted, worked a full-time job to support himself and the ministry, and just continued to serve God his whole life. I'm telling you what, when he passes on, there will be a saint that has left this earth. And so I definitely, uh, a lot of thought about my dad recently. A lot of that's uh, occupied my mind, but I do ask that you be in prayer uh, for my mom uh, because she's kind of being put in a place where the doctors are kind of starting to pressure her to make a decision uh, about how long he'll be on the ventilator, and that's just a very difficult place for her to be, uh, to have to make these type of decisions. So do be much in prayer for Mom uh, and for the family. I believe this week we're going to be uh, maybe getting together some and talking about these things. So if you'll be in prayer for us, we do appreciate it, and thank you much for it. Daniel chapter number 1. Like I said, we're going to be preaching on this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. I will say that this message was inspired a little bit, uh, partially by the fact that we're going to vote on Tuesday, and this is a way that we can let our light shine. Uh, but then uh, the message didn't really go that direction, but that's kind of a part of what got it started. But I began to think about uh, letting our light shine in this dark world in which we live. You know, this world is uh, indeed a dark place. This world is a place uh, that is governed by men of corrupt minds. And boy, I'm telling you what, whenever I read and I hear uh, the things that leaders say, I say to myself, how did they ever get in a place of leadership? But it is true that we live in a world that is governed by men of corrupt minds. Not all of them, not at all, uh, but many of 
of them are of corrupt minds. And you and I must do our part uh, to let the light of Christ shine uh, in and through us uh, if we're going to impact the world that we live in. God has given to us the responsibility of being the light. We are to be the ones uh, uh, that reveal uh, the wickedness in the world around us. We're to be the ones uh, that show the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And we look at this, but many times uh, uh, while we know this is true, sometimes it can be difficult uh, to put into shoe leather exactly how we're to accomplish being a light. How is it that we are to actually be the light? What is it we can do that accomplishes this thing of being a light? And I believe uh, that we can see a great example uh, in how to be a light in a dark world by looking at the life, or we could say the light of Daniel. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the life of Daniel. Now, we're just going to read uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 8 to get us started this morning, but we'll be referring to uh, the overall life of Daniel. There's many, many passages that we could read. We'll probably uh, just refer on our familiarity with the story in many parts of the sermon, and we'll read uh, some of the passages, but we're going to look at this thing of how Daniel was a light and compare it to how we can be a light. So let's read Daniel. Daniel chapter number 1, and we'll start our reading in verse number 1 and read down through verse number 8. The Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuch gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, as we sang this morning, Lord, I thank you that my hope is built uh, on Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that you are the solid rock. And Father, I thank you that no matter what we face, no matter what comes our way, no matter what we are going through in life, that Lord, we can find security in you. And Father, I thank you for it. I pray to Lord that you'll bless now as we look into your word concerning this thought of being a light uh, in a dark world. Lord, many times whenever we are in the darkest place, oh Lord, it's when we can be the brightest light. And Father, I pray that you will help us, Lord, to apply these principles to our life, that Lord, we might be the light that we ought to be. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you, Lord, for those uh, who have came Oh, Lord, to worship with us. And Father, I pray that you will minister to us from your word this morning. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. 
a man and a man. Now, we're all familiar with the story of Daniel. Daniel was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, as we just read here, and this was the first invasion of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was invaded three times uh, by Babylon. During the first invasion, Daniel was taken captive. Uh, and it's been, it was prophesied in Scripture uh, that because of Israel's disobedience to God, uh, that Israel would be in captivity for 70 years. Uh, Daniel was taken captive at the beginning of that captivity, and Daniel was to serve the Lord in Babylon throughout that captivity. Now boy, I'm telling you what, whenever you begin to think about your life uh, and you begin to maybe think, you know, about hardships and difficulties in your life and you look at Daniel, here was a young man, a promising young man. Uh, uh, He probably had a big future in front of him. He probably had a lot of plans, uh, had a lot of things that he wanted to do and God said, what I want you to do, Daniel, uh, is I want you to be part, I want you to be a captive, Uh, I want you to go to a foreign land where they don't know God. I want you to live as a prisoner for your entire life. Daniel, you're never going to be able to come back home. Daniel, you're never going to be able to fulfill any of your dreams. Daniel, you're never going to be able to live the life that you have planned. But Daniel, what I have lined out for you will accomplish so much more for eternity. And so Daniel willingly followed the Lord. Whenever we look at Daniel, we see that Daniel was to be a light in a dark, dark time. Daniel was to be a light both to his kinsmen and to his captors. Daniel was to serve as a light. Whenever we think about Daniel, we realize that Daniel lived in a time when light was desperately needed. You see, as a young man, Daniel had been raised with a godly heritage. Daniel was raised as a Jew. Daniel was raised with a godly heritage. But Daniel lived in a time when his people, the Jews, had disobeyed God and were living in disobedience to God. It was because of their disobedience that they're getting ready to go into captivity. So although he had a godly heritage, Daniel didn't have much of an immediate example to follow. Well, I'm telling you, as I was studying this message on Daniel, I began to think, my, 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 how this so uh, replicates uh, what we see in the United States today. Because as Americans, we have a godly heritage. And many times we like to reflect back on that godly heritage. But whenever we look at the uh, spiritual condition of our nation as a whole, that's about all that is left is the godly heritage. And there's not much of an immediate example for this generation to reflect on. This is where Daniel was at. Daniel had a godly heritage, yes. Uh, He was of the seed of Abraham, yes. Uh, He was of the chosen people, yes. Uh, But the seed of Abraham, uh, the children of Israel, uh, the chosen people uh, were going into judgment uh, because they were living in disobedience to God. This is the world that Daniel grew up in. As a young man, Israel was invaded. And it is apparent as we look at the remainder of Daniel's story, we will see that Daniel was not following the status quo of his day. 
Daniel was a young man who had given his heart to the God of heaven. Daniel was a young man who had given himself to living according to the principles of the law of God. This is who Daniel was. Daniel was a one who was a young person in opposition to the apostasy that was all around him. Daniel wanted to live for God and when the Babylonians came and invaded Israel, you would think in a humanistic way of thinking that the ones that would be captured would be the ones that God wanted to punish. Wouldn't you think it that way? Daniel wasn't one who was worthy of punishment as an individual. Daniel was one who was serving God. Yet Daniel was captured. Now many people at that point would have said, God, I've been faithful to you, but it's apparent you've turned your back on me, so I'm done with you. Many people would have said, God, I understand you taking Uncle Fred over there. He's been living like a heathen his whole life, but why have I been captured? God, I understand why Israel's been invaded. It breaks my heart to see my country invaded, but I, I understand why you're invading. But God, why am I infected? You know what? I see some of this spirit in our nation today. I see some of this spirit in our churches today. I believe that God is bringing His hand of judgment in many ways upon our nation and across the world. God is bringing His hand of judgment. God is wanting to wake people up. What God was accomplishing here with Israel is He is wanting to bring them to repentance. When God brings judgment, God is trying to bring people to repentance. And I believe that the hand of God is at work. And I believe many of the things that we are seeing and that we are facing are a result of God trying to bring people to a place of repentance. But I see many Christians getting getting upset at God and stopping coming to church and stopping being faithful to God and stopping being consistent in their walk with God because they don't understand why they have to suffer too. We see here that Daniel was a young man that had given his life to following the law of God and yet he was one of the first people to be captured and taken as a prisoner Daniel could have accused God of being unfair. He could have accused God of mistreating him. Daniel could have passed, uh, uh, passed uh, un, un, unreasonable judgment towards God, but Daniel didn't struggle with any of these things. And I believe the reason Daniel didn't struggle with any of these things is because his mind wasn't upon himself and his own circumstance. Daniel had one thing that he was focused on, and that was being obedient to God. Wherever he was at, whatever he was facing, whatever he was going to, Daniel's focus was on being obedient to God. So when Daniel found himself in Babylon as a prisoner, he did not question God, but instead he focused on being obedient to God. We see this example in the life of Joseph. Uh, Joseph was the best of 12 sons, and he wound up uh, as a slave in Egypt, uh, but he was successful because he didn't focus uh, on his circumstances, but he focused uh, on being obedient to God. You know what? Whatever comes our way, if we just stay focused on being obedient to God, God will be able to accomplish with us what He is trying to accomplish when He puts us in circumstances we don't understand. 
But all too often we find ourselves in those other circumstances and instead of simply being obedient to God and allowing God to work through our lives, uh, we begin to question God and we become bitter and we become unprofitable in the work of Christ. Daniel was focused on being obedient to God and because of this spirit, God was able to use Daniel as a light during a very dark time in Israel's history. Now there's a lot about Daniel's life that's remarkable. So many things we could look at about Daniel's life. But this morning, I want to point out three areas where I believe Daniel was a light. And I believe these three areas are very simple, they're very clear, and they're very plain. But I believe these three areas are areas that if we practice them in our own life, we will be an effective light in a dark, dark world. The first thing I notice about Daniel that made him effective as a light in a dark world is that Daniel had a convincing testimony. Daniel had a convincing testimony. Have you ever been out? Maybe you're out knocking doors. Maybe you're passing out a gospel track in line at a grocery store. Whatever it may be. But you see an individual and you think to yourself, I'm going to invite this individual to church. And you say, hello, I'm Pastor John. I'm from Allbrook Baptist Church. I'd love to invite you to come to church sometime. And they say to you, oh, I'm a Christian. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we, we want to start judging and all this. But at that moment, this thought comes to your mind. Well, you could have fooled me. You know, I would have never thought that of you. There's nothing that I see here, uh, nothing in your appearance, uh, nothing in your conversation, uh, nothing in what you was talking about before I approached the counter, uh, nothing in the lifestyle that I see exhibited uh, on your person, nothing uh, in what's written on your T-shirt, uh, nothing in the type of clothes that you wear. There's nothing about you that says to me that you are a Christian. Uh, now, you have just told me that you're a Christian, uh, but there was nothing about you that told me you were a Christian. Have you ever met them type of people? Uh, everybody you meet, they say that they're a Christian. But there is nothing about them that says they were a Christian. Matter of fact, as you walked to them at the gospel track, you were pretty sure that you weren't going to have to overcome that obstacle that you could get straight into sharing the gospel. But nope, they're a Christian. You know what the problem is? They don't have a very convincing testimony. See, when I speak of testimony, I'm talking about that which others can observe in you. When somebody looks at you, what they see, does it convince them that you are a follower of Christ? Now, I know that our actions do not save us, but our actions can go a long way in representing Him who did save us. And we ought to be people who live our lives in a way that we have a convincing testimony that whenever people observe us, whenever people listen to our conversation, whenever people are in our home, whenever people see the things that we enjoy, it becomes readily evident that this person is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe one reason that Daniel was able to be a light there in Babylon is because Daniel had a convincing testimony. We see in the book of Daniel that from day one, Daniel lived a life that was marked by obedience of God. From his first day of captivity until his final days in Babylon, Daniel was known as a man who would follow and obey God. We see that from denying the king's meat to praying when it had been forbidden. 
Daniel's testimony was that of someone who obeyed God. I believe that Daniel was a light because of his testimony. I believe that Daniel impacted those around him because of what they saw in Daniel's life. There was something about Daniel's faithfulness to his God that could not be denied. There was something about Daniel's walk with God that could not be overlooked. Now I know that only God knows the hearts of men, but there are some people who I will make the statement that I'm confident that that person will be in heaven when they die. There are other people who you make the statement that person has told me that they'll be in heaven when they die. You see, there are some people whose characteristics are such that you cannot deny or overlook the fact that this person is indeed a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel had a convincing testimony that people couldn't deny, they couldn't overlook it, and their life was impacted because of what they saw. In reading of the life of Daniel, I see that his testimony was seen in two places. First, I see his testimony was revealed before the heathen. His testimony was revealed before the heathen. In our text, we see Daniel requesting an alternative meal plan. And his request was granted. Why? Because of his convincing, obvious belief in God's ability. Daniel based his entire argument on the fact you are in letting me do this, you are putting my God to the test and I guarantee you that my God will not fail. When Daniel asked for this alternative meal plan, he didn't base anything upon himself. He didn't base anything upon his own ability. He didn't base anything upon his superior knowledge. He said what I want you to do is I want you to put my God to the test and I guarantee you that my God will come through. My God will prove that he is able in Daniel's resistance against the government. His ultimate goal was to exalt his God and in doing so his testimony impacted the heathen. We find out that Melzar who was over the people there, Melzar was convinced by Daniel's testimony and Melzar said we will make an exception and in doing so Melzar was not only risking the life of Daniel and Mishael and Azariah Melzar was risking his own life but there was something about Daniel's testimony that made Melzar willing to give it a try let me just ask you does your light shine that bright? You know what, in the darkness, when the world is dark and you pull out a light, you cannot deny that the light is there. I always carry a flashlight, and I know most folks use their smartphone. I just can't make that switch. I always carry my flashlight with me. I always have my flashlight in my pocket. But there has been times, you know, when myself and Joel, we're out in the shed, we're getting ready to do something, and, and Joel will say, I can't see. And I'll say, well, I got a light. I pull it out and I push the button, but it looks like this. And I'm... Something wrong with my light, Joel. And he says, I know. (laughs) 
You know what? There's sometimes as Christians uh, when we say, I'm a light, I'm a light, I'm a light, and the world says, I can't see any difference. Uh, there's nothing changing around here. Uh, but you know what? When you really do have a light, uh, it will be noticed. Uh, Daniel's light was noticed, and Melzar said, I'm willing to put my life on the line because of your testimony. Daniel's testimony affected uh, the heathen, uh, but we see that his testimony also was revealed uh, before the brethren. You know what? The best way to rally Christians, the best way to rally Christians to the cause of Christ is to let them see your zeal for the Lord. That is the best way. Now, I don't know in this situation if refraining was something that Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael came up with together or if it was Daniel's idea. But when I read the text, it's clear that Daniel was the spokesman. And so it leads me to believe that this was Daniel's idea. And I don't know what the relationship is between Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I don't know what the relationship was. I don't know. Maybe they were cousins. Uh, maybe they were close friends in the land of Israel. I believe what's most likely is that they got to know each other in Nebuchadnezzar's court uh, as captives uh, who were captured and brought there. And maybe they were familiar with each other. Now they've got to know each other. And Daniel says, guys, I tell you, here's what I'm going to do. Now we know that there were probably hundreds of young men captured. And Daniel says, guys, here's what I'm going to do. Here, here's my plan. I'm going to say no to the king's meat. There were three other young men who said, if you're going to do it, we'll do it too. If you're going to take that stand, we'll stand with you. There is nothing that will motivate other Christians for the cause of Christ like seeing your zeal. You know what? A lot of times we, 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 want to, we, we don't want that to be out front. You know, the devil jumps on your back and he's like, you shouldn't tell people how much you read the Bible. It might make them feel bad. No, tell people how much you read the Bible. It'll encourage them to read the Bible. Tell folks how much you pray. It'll encourage them to pray. Whenever you're out visiting and you invite somebody to church and then they come to church, tell people about it. It'll encourage them to go invite people to church. There's nothing that will motivate the brethren by letting them see your zeal for the Lord. And we see here that Daniel, he was able to motivate the brethren. You know what? Many times all it takes is for one person to stand up against evil. One person uh, to boldly witness. One person uh, to refuse to participate in wickedness. And others will be encouraged uh, to stand as well. Daniel had a convincing testimony and his testimony convinced uh, his brethren. Daniel was that guy. Daniel was the one that was willing to speak up. He was the one that was willing to step out. He was the one that was willing to acknowledge his faith uh, in the God of heaven. And this observable evidence of his belief in God, affected the heathen and motivated his brethren. You know the little song that I got my slide from, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It says there in that song, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. But you know what? So many times as Christians we are guilty of putting our light under a bushel and keeping it hid because we're concerned about the consequences. Let me tell you, there is nothing but benefit when you let your light shine. I see here that there's a lot more to talk about Daniel than I allowed for on the clock this morning. But I'll show you a couple more. I'll try to move through them very quickly. Another evidence that Daniel was a light in the dark world 
was his compelling influence. His compelling influence. First he had a convincing testimony, but then we see he had a compelling influence. You know what? Whether you like it or not, a light will affect the area it is in. Sometimes we welcome the light, such as if you're trying to find your way through a dark room. I remember a few years ago, my office used to be downstairs when I was assistant pastor, and I would come through that door and walk through the, the, what we call the commons area and into my office, and very rarely did I ever turn a light on because there was nothing ever in the room, and I could walk straight to my office, open the door, and then turn my office light on. I came here one night, and Pastor Wright had set up some tables in the commons. The, the folding tables that we had that would fold down and had the round saucer seats on them, he had set some of those up in the commons area. And I came here at night to get something out of my office. It was pitch black. I opened the door and I was walking through the commons with a purpose. I was in a hurry. And I caught one of them little saucer seats right here on the shin. I'm telling you what, laid me out in the floor. I mean, wiped me out. I'm like, what is in this room? What just nailed me? You see, a light would have been welcomed then. Something to reveal that there was a table in my path uh, would have been welcome. I remember though whenever I was a young adult at home, my mom spoiled me something terrible uh, whenever I was just a young adult because I had a job. I had to uh, get up and leave for work at like 4.30 or 5 in the morning and mom would come to the bedroom and she would turn on the light and she'd say, John, your breakfast is ready. And she'd have breakfast on the table for me. Uh, at that time, I was like, why are you turn the light on? Now that I'm grown, I realize she was spoiling me to death. But you know what? Sometimes whenever you're laying there and you're catching them last few minutes of sleep and somebody comes into the bedroom looking for something and they just flip that light on, it's not welcome. It's not something that you wanted to see. But whether you welcome it or not, a light makes a difference in the darkness. Whether you want to receive it or you want to reject it, a light makes a, dark, a difference in the darkness. And I see here that Daniel was a light, and I know he was a light, because of his compelling influence. I know that he was a light because of the account of his life records many instances of the influence that he had on those around him. In account of refusing the king's meat, it is clear that he impacted both Melzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But beyond that, as I read the book of Daniel, I find that he had a compelling influence in the kingdom. Just look at some of the descriptions of Daniel regarding his interaction in the kingdom. In Daniel chapter number 5 and verse number 12, the Bible says, For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard senses and dissolving of doubts, were found in the same Daniel. This is a pretty good description of a young man. He was someone, it was seen that he had this ability. We see in Daniel 5.14, it says, I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. This is descriptions that those in the kingdom are giving about Daniel. We see in Daniel 6 and verse number 3, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole 
realm. This is how Daniel was described by those that he affected. But I want to point out to you that although this is how those that he affected was describing him, I want you to see how Daniel described himself. In Daniel chapter number 2, verse 27 and 28, it says, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? But I can. Is that what he says? No. He said, This secret which the king hath demanded, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? But there is a God in heaven. Uh, Daniel said, uh, I have an influence in the kingdom and the kingdom recognizes me as this extraordinary person, but I want to tell you that it's not that I'm an extraordinary person. Uh, what they are seeing uh, is God in me. And that is the light that this world is to see in you and I is they are to see God in us, uh, letting the light uh, of the glorious gospel shine forth. Daniel said, uh, there is a God in heaven. We see that not only was his compelling influence a effective in the kingdom, but it was also effective before the kings. You know what, many times when we look at the leaders of our land, we almost feel as if there's nothing we can do. There's no hope. There's no help. Remember that the kings that Daniel served under were kings that attacked and destroyed the land of Israel. They were kings who had no respect whatsoever for God's chosen people. They were kings who did not even recognize the God of heaven as being a God of heaven. But after Daniel had spent some time in their presence, uh, let's consider what they had to say. Daniel chapter number 4, man, there's so much we could look at these stories that lead up to this, but we don't have time. But in Daniel chapter number 4, verse number 37, here's what Nebuchadnezzar says. After watching Daniel, here's what Nebuchadnezzar says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven. We see that the King was affected by the testimony of Daniel. In Daniel 5 and verse number 29 it says, Then commanded Belshazzar and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made proclamation concerning him that he should be third ruler in the kingdom. Look in Daniel 6 and verse number 16. This is King Darius, the third king that Daniel served under. Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God... Now at this point, Darius was not yet a believer. But you remember when Agrippa said to Paul, Almost... Thou hast persuaded me. I believe that's where Darius is at right now. He's getting real close to becoming a believer and he's getting ready to put the God of heaven to test. And he said to Daniel, he said, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he is able to deliver thee. And then we look down here. Actually, he said, He will deliver thee. And then we see here in verse number 20, And when he came to the den the next morning, he cried with lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant 
servant of the living God. I love that Darius referred to him as the living God right here. Servant of the living God. Is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. Look at verse number 25, how Darius responded to this. It says in verse number 25, Then King Darius rode unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. We see here that Darius became a believer in the Almighty God. How did Daniel reach Nebuchadnezzar? How did Daniel reach Darius? How did Daniel make a difference in the lives of these significant men? What was it that he did? How did he get them to turn around? I'll tell you what he did. He had a convincing testimony. That's what he did. He lived in obedience to God regardless of the outcome. He said, I will follow God. He said, I'll be respectful to your position. I'll be respectful to your authority. I will even labor and work for you and to the best of my ability. But I want you to know that I am obedient to the God of heaven. And he lived in obedience to the God of heaven with an excellent spirit towards those that were around him. And they said, this has to be something different than these idols of stone and wood that we worship and they believed on the living God. How are we going to make a difference in this world? How are we going to be a light in this world? Live a life in obedience to God that is observable and evident by the outside world. You say, but Pastor John, people will laugh at me. People will make fun of me. Yep. See, although Daniel was changing kings, he wasn't changing everybody. There was a lot of people that wanted to laugh and mock. There were people that wanted to do harm. There were people that arranged for him to be thrown in the lion's den. There were people that made it against the law to pray so they could get back at Daniel. See, the light makes a difference whether you want to receive it or not. And if you are a light, there will be people who receive it, but there will be people who reject it. But you want to be a light, you live in obedience to God regardless of what man may say. We remember the story of David. David had disobeyed God. God said, David, because of your sin, he said, either you can fall into the hands of men or you can fall into the hands of God. Either way, David, you're going to reap the consequences of your sin. David said, I would rather fall into the hands of God anytime than to fall into the hands of men. You know what? Whenever God has called us to be a light, we can hide our light under a bushel because we're afraid of men. Or we can let that light shine because we would rather be at the mercy of the mockery of men than to live in disobedience to God. We see here that Daniel let his light shine. But then the third thing that I want to share with you is that Daniel was able to be a light because he had a convincing testimony. He was able to be a light because of the influence that he had there in the kingdom. But I believe that Daniel was able to be a light because Daniel was a consistent witness. Through the accounts that we've looked at already, I can see two areas that Daniel was a consistent witness. First, I see that Daniel was a consistent witness in that he verbally proclaimed his God. Daniel readily 
regularly acknowledged the God of heaven. Daniel attributed everything to his God. Daniel was not ashamed of his God and he verbally spoke of his God regularly anytime it was appropriate Anytime that he could, he included God in his conversation. Something that I've loved about my dad his whole life, I've mentioned it before, is you could not have a conversation with my dad. I'm talking you could not have a two-sentence conversation with my dad without him saying something about his Lord. I mean, it it was just who he was. They say, boy, it's a rainy day today, Mr. Tilly. He's like, I know the Lord's sending us that rain. We need that rain. It's a beautiful day, Mr. Tilly. Isn't the Lord good? He's always good to me. I'm telling you what, he's just so good to me. You couldn't. It was impossible to converse with my dad and not hear about the Lord. Impossible. This is how Daniel was. He verbally proclaimed his God. You want to be a light? Learn to verbally proclaim your God on a regular basis. But you know what Daniel did that made him an effective witness that backed up this verbal proclamation is that he visually trusted his God. This is what backed it up. He wasn't all the time just talking about how good God was. He was living what he talked about. He was practicing what he preached. Uh, You know what, you hear the funny story about the person that has the fish on the back of their car. It says, honk if you love Jesus. Uh, And so you're sitting there at the red light uh, and you look up and you see this little thing. It says, honk if you love Jesus. You're like, I love Jesus. So you beep your horn and they look up and the light's green. They jump out of the car and come running back cussing you because you're being impatient at the red light. You know, that's a funny story, but I'm telling you what, we do that a lot of times. Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus is so good. And then so stub our toe and we forget all about Jesus. We see here that Daniel verbally proclaimed his God, but Daniel visually trusted in his God. You want to be a convincing witness? Let others see that you live what you preach. That he really is real to you. I believe there's a lot of people who are ineffective in their witness because it's not evident. Their light's not shining very bright. Their batteries have gotten dim. Some of these new LED bulbs you can get, it's confusing to me because they say on the package that they last 40 years. I'm 46 years old and I'm already having to replace them and I didn't buy them but a few months ago. But these LED bulbs, they'll get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. We had one in our hallway. It got down so dim that if the house was pitch black, you could see a little gold dot <laughs> in the middle of the bulb. It was on, but it was pretty hard to tell whether it was on or not. You know what? I believe there are some Christians who they don't charge their battery very regularly. Yeah, there's a light there, but it's not very bright. The Bible says, ye are the light of the world. Shine that the world may see that there's a hope in the gospel. The children's song says, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You may feel insignificant. You may feel that you're only one person. You may say, what is it that I can do? Let me tell you, there is a tremendous amount that you can do. I went to an ACE student convention when I was 14 years old. We were in this big coliseum. There was three or 4,000 people there. 
As we came in the door, they gave each one of us a little tiny flashlight. It was about so big, square, had a little button on it you could push. It had a little tiny bulb on it. They got us all in there and got us all seated. And then they turned off all the lights. They said, now turn your flashlights on. And I promise you, it was brighter with our flashlights than it was with the stadium lights. 4,000 of those little bitty lights lit that place up like you would not believe. You know what you may say, I'm little and I'm insignificant. There's no way I can make a difference. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And when another Christian sees you turning your flashlight on, they're going to turn theirs on. And we're going to affect each other with our convincing testimony. And we will make a difference in the world. How? By living in faithful obedience to God. Wherever He puts us, whatever we're facing, we stay obedient to Him and we will make a difference. Let's all stand to our feet. As Miss Debbie come to the piano. We live in a dark world. There's nothing the devil wants more than to get us to turn our lights out. We need to be a people that purpose in our heart, I'm going to be a light. I will be a light. As Miss Debbie plays, the Lord spoke to your heart. You come to this altar and tell the Lord, Lord, I will be that light. Thank you so much for being in the Lord's house this morning. Give God the glory for giving us that responsibility of being a light. Now let's do our best to do what he has called us to do. Don't forget, we do have the voters' information up here, the gospel tracts. Be sure to grab some of those. Be sure to grab some flyers about the community appreciation next week. Pass those out. And then tonight is our next generation service. It should have been last week, but because of the old-fashioned service, we moved it to this week. Uh, so Pastor Kent will be preaching for us. The teens will be uh, helping in the service tonight. Uh, so do your best to be here and be a support to our young people. It has been good to be in the Lord's house. Rahat Ram, I'm going to ask if you pray and dismiss the service. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the word that has been forth today. Lord, we just pray and ask for your help to apply to our lives. That you let us go out from this place and be light in the dark world. We just thank you for uh, the opportunity to be able to come worship you in this place. We pray that you be with us, help us all to return this evening for the next generation service. Help us to uh, support the teens as they uh, lead the service. And we just uh, pray that you help us this week. 
to uh, go out and, uh, and vote, and then we would just uh, stand up for what's right, and then we would try to make a difference. And Father, we pray that you would, uh, your will would be done in that, and then we just uh, thank you for each and everything that you'll do. Pray that you bless each one that came out today. We just thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.